Welcome to Useful Idiots. I'm Matt Taibbi. Welcome to Useful Idiots. I'm Katie Halper. Are you stoked? Are you are you happy to live in the third world? Well, Who's button. happy to live in the third world? Button. Problematic. Oh, it's third world Developing world, I believe. Developing Although that's world. almost worse. Is it? It's like condescending. Right. All like right. it's not yet developed. Could, right, are you like, psyched to live in a shithole country? Then that, that's better. <laughs> right, is that better? I'm very psyched. Yeah. Right. No, I'm psyched to live in the in the thing that Dems pretend Russia is. I mean, the ironies of of this are so. What's the word I'm looking for? Myriad. Oh yes, right? very good. Yeah. yeah. Um, it, we, we could this show could last 15 hours with the insanity of of the last week. I just got back from Iowa. How was way. it? Um, terrible, Boy, cold, muddy, fire. and then on, at the end of it, a very insane ending. So yeah, uh, completely nuts. Lots well, to talk about. We're going to talk about that with our guest uh, Lee Fong Lee from Fong. The Intercept, who's done, done some great investigative journalism, and who was uh, really the fir- one of the first, actually the first, to jump in on the issue of the week, which is what the hell is this app? That shadow, is, the Shadow sh- app. Shadow, I mean, Another thing you can't make comic up. book villainy of all this. The, the, the you couldn't write this stuff. I know, right? Yeah, you couldn't make it up I like mean, if it you t- saw it in a movie it'd be over the top a satiric genius on the order of swift couldn't invent yeah. the stupidities of this swiftian. week swiftian. swiftian yeah so we're going to talk about all that stuff with lee we're sitting here there's still no results we can't even talk about who won i know it's insane it's insane have you seen this tendency by the way on twitter at least where people who obviously hate sanders and are like centrist democrats all of a sudden are like yeah, whatever. The caucus system sucks. Oh, I know. It's yeah. so funny because like they have become anarchists. Right. Yeah. It's uh, all of a sudden late stage nihilism. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, so just a really quick couple I, of housekeeping yeah. notes. We had some improvements to the show. Oh, yeah. It's now we, we actually can go forward with this. It's not just an idea. This we is- have useful idiots merch. What do you think? I like it. Looks good. This is yeah. a tote bag that I'm wearing, kind of. And it because... has an inside pocket to it. Oh either, yes! Right? Look, guys, an inside pocket. So it's like a pouch. So basically, you put your wallet in there, your cell phone in there, whatever. Right. I'm gonna start wearing this. It looks yeah. good on you. Right. So this is uh, we're trying. This is us uh, shamefully, crassly commercializing a red scare meme. Yeah, exactly. The and, trauma of McCarthyism. And, trying to make a buck off of it. Yeah, and we were doing this so that my three beautiful children don't have to eat cat food anymore. Yeah. Uh, that will only happen if you, in droves, yeah. uh, go to YouTube and look in the in the description yeah. section where you can find the link to buy these amazing Smash products. that link. Smash that link, yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. So, Useful Idiots merch is happening. Uh, yeah. It's funny. We got mugs, uh, shirts. Shirts. Uh, bags. Tote bags. And, um, uh, I'm pushing. We're pushing for some more products. Yeah, we, I think I think we, we need, need steroids, right? blood thinners, yes. oh, uh, yeah. rat poison. Oh uh, yeah. Ye. So uh, now we now we have our merch. Yes. And now we have merch. Yeah. We can get onto the sh- with the show, and we as, as we start with uh, the four food groups of news: Democrats suck, Republicans suck. Isn't that weird? Isn't that terrible? Somebody was uh, suggesting on Twitter that we should replace that this week with. Democrats suck. Democrats suck. Aren't Democrats weird? Aren't, aren't Democrats terrible? Oh, and it's just good. such a bad week. The first thing I think for Democrats suck, it's 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 me this week. There's there's two of them. Just really briefly, is to touch on Chris Matthews. I love him. I guess he's not he's not a Democrat. He doesn't work for the Democratic Party. And I actually have in the past as a as a person, I don't mind Chris Matthews. He's hilarious. Uh, Wait, he's not a Democrat. He mentions every episode of his show that he worked for Tip O'Neill. Right. Okay. But he, you know, he, he's yeah. not. He's just, he's like very partisan, very. He's not an elected member. Right. No, of, he's not. But yeah. we've done. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. We've done think tank directors, for instance. That's in your true. Tandon. But that's more. This is me. This is like Democrat aligned media. 
Democrat, yeah, yeah exactly. Or as, as what, what uh, Rush Limbaugh would call the Democrat media, or the media Democrat complex. Yeah. Chris had an amazing week. He, uh, over the, before the, in the run up to the Iowa, he suggested that Bernie Sanders was not the kind of person who would rescue someone on yeah. the side of the road. Even though he literally rescued a woman in her wheel, well, he prevented an accident. Right. A woman was in her wheelchair and he was like, get out, look, ma'am, ma'am, look out, there's a car coming. People have fainted on his show and he stopped his his speeches. He's like, oh, my God. <laughs> and he saved and he saved Andrea Mitchell's life. You hear her almost getting trampled. She's like, help, help. And he's like, are you all right? Are you OK? <laughs> back up. Back, no, stop. And can you believe her thank you to him is basically asking him why he hasn't didn't drop out. Anyway, right. that's in 2016. But, yeah, he saved Andrea Mitchell's life. So so basically what you're saying mm. is it, Matthew's basically threw a dart into randomness to pick the yeah. one thing that the, yeah. couldn't he couldn't possibly actually criticize. Yeah. Yeah. It's like totally off because right. sometimes Matthews does say things that are really uncomfortable, but kind of like accurate. And he but, farted. Oh, right. Well, yeah. yes, I do. I do agree with that. Okay. Um, allegedly. Allegedly farted. Yeah. yeah. Swalwell, by the way, we didn't do a follow up. He tweeted total exoneration. Really? Yeah. When when Matthews. When, when the hardball people were like, it was a mug moving. Right, 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 right. Um, but yeah, this is just has no, it's so off. Like he's the first one who would pick you up on the side of the road. Like he wouldn't be sweet he's about it. He's a mensch. He's a crotchety mensch. He'd be right. like, what's the, oh my God, hold on. What are you doing here? Let's get you off the road. You know, as opposed to like, you know, I don't know what, Mayor Pete, Mayor Pete would like drive way past you unless there was media there. And if there was media there, he'd like back up. And be like, I don't know if that's true. I can't say that. Well, he's in the military. I'm like, okay, well, anyway. Oh, the military, the the glorious oh, yeah, institution. Training, yeah, I mean, look, okay, whatever. Uh, so it's good. Who so, who's the first one who would drive by someone on the road? Well, so then we're just we're just we're just sinking to that level. Matthew, we you got to you got to fight Matthew's fire with fire. See, you know, we don't need we we can't unilaterally when they disarm go, when they go high. Low. No, when they go low, we go high. Right. right exactly. Fine. So he did that. He did the whole that that whole thing, and then uh, he was talking just before the um, before the caucus, and they were he was discussing the idea of a broker convention, and he says he's he's discussing the possibilities of who could be right. nominated, and he, and he brings this up. I said before, I think we may be going to Milwaukee without a clearly established nominee. What happens if 48%, if somebody has 45% or 42%, it's not close, and nobody else has that much? Does everybody else buckle to that? Can you go to somebody who isn't running, or does it have to be one? No, you, you can go to anyone. Thank you. Can, they, 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 how about Adam Schiff? Could they all agree, oh. let's give it to Schiff? They can agree on Schiff, Chris Matthews, Dan Rather, whoever they want, somebody who they believe can beat Trump. I want Chris Matthews. Not Adam Schiff. Okay, or or Dan Rather. Mm. I mean, I love that. That's the trio. I know. What is that? The I Holy mean, Trinity. Adam Schiff. What? Uh, first of all, there's a million he things we like could say. Looks like a turkey. But first of all, he does look most like importantly, a he looks like a turkey. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, Sorry. Let's just to recap what happened this week. Because oh my in, gosh. On the, in addition to the indignity of. The uh, the first major vote of the season exploding in this Banana Republic style fiasco. The impeachment thing ends basically on the same day. Yeah. Right. And what happens simultaneously in exactly the same day Gallup releases its approval rating polls and Trump is at an all time high of 49 percent. So that's like six 
points. Yeah. You get a six-point bump from impeachment, yeah. basically. Congrats. So, can, yeah, congr- Mick Resistance. Congrats, Adam Schiff. Yeah, exactly. Jerry Nadler, so, which, which brings us to the next thing, for forgetting about Chris Matthews, is there's a State of the Union address. Oh, my and, gosh. Okay, to be fair, Donald Trump refused. He wouldn't, yeah. He, he wouldn't shake her He did hand. a Hitler to Jesse. Hitler did that with Jesse Owens? Is that... Right. Two very similar situations, right? The but, same. That was during the Olympics. I thought right. you'd appreciate my uh, sports. That was a sports yeah, reference. That was, you're that welcome, was good. Everyone, yeah. Yeah, yeah. What do you think of the Clint Capella trade, by the way? Terrible. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know what what that don't is. you like about it? Um, I think it was rushed. You think it was rushed? But you don't think it, just, it, it, it adds and you know it gives Atlanta a new rim runner? It, it does. Yeah. It does do that. That that's the counterpoint I was about <laughs> it, to make. It collapses the interior defense of the Rockets, though, don't you think? Not. Uh, it doesn't collapse it. It diminishes it. <laughs> this is so fun. We should do this should every do this episode. Every I just like pretend to see to, and like you can do hot or warm. Like right, right, how, right. How accurate what I'm saying is? Yeah, this is like a, a carnival act, right? Yeah. yeah, like we're pretending that we actually know what we're talking yeah, well, about. Well, you do. Right, exactly. But it's uh, so. And I'll do it with Ani DeFranco music. So before the Houston Rockets, Minnesota Timberwolves, uh, Atlanta Hawks, and Denver Nuggets engaged in a four-team trade. Um, this happened where uh, Donald Trump and uh, was giving a speech and we saw this amazing demonstration by Nancy Pelosi. Thank you, God bless you, and God bless America. Thank you very much. It is amazing. Okay, so for people who are listening to the show and not watching, um, Nancy Pelosi, after Trump wraps up his State of the Union speech, stands up, claps, and basically rips up copies of his of Trump's speech twice. Twice. Two. Yeah. I, I don't know if she like divided in half or she had two copies of it, but yeah. No, it's just like this is a this is basically the 2.0 of her clapping. Remember the famous clap where she where she just but this is different because this is intentional. This this actually is amazing compared to the clap thing. No, this is thought out. This is thought out. The saddest, most like like Orwellian infuriating thing about the clap when she did the lap that was at the last State of the Union was that she literally just gave him a standing ovation and like resistance Twitter white feminism TM had to pretend that it was an act of resistance and that right. she was throwing him shade. Right. Not yeah, at all. Yeah, it was body language analysis. Yeah. It was like oh my God, in the other, in the other direction. Oh my God, they should have had the uh, Joanne Reed expert on, yeah. I mean, this is so bad. So Trump, Trump, you know, wraps up his his rhetorical flourish right. then of course the republican gallery goes into its you know south carolina what's up yeah. thing you know like that they're they're completely going nuts and so she decides to do this it's like an, it's like a planned viral moment yeah. which is the most annoying it's thing so about annoying, about our right. generation right do you think she was going to do it even if he didn't snub her and didn't shake her hand Probably had, right. Had to. It yeah. has to be because the so other there, there was no time to plan plan this oh, out. Oh right, the, right. You know, do they some, not always have? I wonder if they always have the speech or not. It is the one thing I like about it is that Trump has no idea it's happening, which is kind of funny. But honestly, it's so annoying. It almost makes me like Trump. Like it almost makes me side with Trump. Well, that's an evergreen comment of. Uh, oh, maybe there, we should cut that out because you know? I don't want to be called the Trumpian left. But well, it's too late for it's that. Too late. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. 
I just hate it's so bad and it's like what that's resistance like so here's the you what you can do is you can like sign off on his budget as long as you rip up his speech right. that's the optics resistance well yeah the the budget giving him an enhanced surveillance power whatever whatever you want to say the right. whole point of the, is is that you know the the reason Iowa happened the reason there's this whole mess with the Democratic Party is that they have decades now of selling out on important issues, yeah. whether it's NAFTA, right. the Telecommunications Act of 1996, the repeal of the Glass-Steagall Act, going to war in Iraq, um, you know, the the failure to do anything about the Cheney's war on terror yeah. m- machinery, drone assassination, uh, rendition, banks, the, the, the total, bailouts. not a single, <laughs> like, uh, you know, enforcement action after right. 2008. Um, all of that stuff is what people are upset about. Yeah. And they think the solution to it is this empty performative politics, which is, is such a mask for just not really Doing standing anything. Any for, yeah. for anything. Yeah. It just makes it worse by I so know. much. It makes it worse. I agree. It would mm-hmm. almost be it's like more offensive this way because it's so insulting to people's stupidity. Uh, intelligence, excuse me, Freudian slip. Um, although there are people who are intelligent, they just have such like weird politics of aesthetics and are so like centrist or reactionary that they actually like this oh yeah the, i saw somebody t- calling it y- yes awesome sauce oh God. <laughs> that needs to be punishable by i'm not for the death penalty but so what happened for republicans okay suck? so for republicans suck i'm going to go back to the state of the union um where donald trump decided it would be a good idea to give a shout out to juan guaido juan guaido is the fake um unelected leader of uh venezuela opposition (laughs) yes south bend indiana so when i tweeted that he was invited when i saw he had invited juan guaido to to the state of the union um or was going to praise him i was like i can't believe that he invited mayor pete right thank you i'm just going to repeat my funny tweets that'll be really (laughs) fun yeah Yeah, thank you so here's let's take a look at the videotape but maduro's grip on tyranny will be smashed and broken here this evening is a very brave man who carries with him the hopes dreams and aspirations of all venezuelans joining us in the gallery is the true and legitimate president of venezuela juan guaido Mr. President. Okay, so Nancy does give him the standing O. I know this is supposed to be Republicans suck, but it's a great example of how much them suck on foreign policy. Look at that guy. What is wrong with him? He looks like he's making the Star Trek uh, hand thing. Really weird hand motion. Does, oh my God. Yeah. So he has his hand out with his fingers spread out, and then he does a fist, like a weird fist. And so then he does the, the, the praying thing. He's such an escapee from the set of Westworld. It's amazing. Uh, right? I don't, uh, yeah, what is that again? It's, it's good-looking cyborgs. Oh, yeah. Right. But terrible posture. Thank you, Mr. President. Yeah. Uh, and well, anyway, yeah, so uh, he's awful, and he's not brave at all. He looks like, I think I said this before. I mean, he's, yeah, he, has he actually gotten any votes from No. Right. And he looks like one of those prep school kids who would run for a bus with his backpack. I don't know if you know that. Like, <laughs> Oh, I'm a prep school kid. So I but it's done. a New York. I mean, I think it's more of a New York City thing. Like they're running for the Crosstown bus. Oh, right. Yes. Okay. Um, wearing a uniform. That's just what he reminds me of. All right. What do we have for Isn't That Weird? Okay. This is the headline pretty much yeah. says it. Speaks for itself. Speaks for itself. <laughs> man, man high on meth fights off 15 police while masturbating. Good multitasker. I think we just need to read the lead here. Yeah. 
A man who was allegedly high on meth reportedly fought off more than a dozen police officers while publicly masturbating. Andrew Fry, 37, apparently made a series of outbursts and then began masturbating at an Oregon restaurant, the Oregonian reports. Uh, incredibly, police were reportedly uh, unable to subdue Fry with a taser. Well, is that really incredible? I mean, he had a, he had a job to do. Yeah, I know. Right? He was on a mission. Right. Uh, so It took... 15 officers to finally take him into custody and stop him pleasuring himself. I wonder <laughs> if that violates due process or something. What, that, that they should have let him finish? I don't know. Maybe. That's an ACLU case waiting yes. to happen, don't you think? Yes. ACLU Oregon, get on it. Get on it. Right. Also, he looks just like Bill Hader, the guy. He does look like Bill Hader and a little like Guaido, actually. Yeah, Guaido, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, you're right. He looks much right? more like Bill Hader. Yeah. That, maybe it is Bill Hader. I know. Maybe it is. Should we call him? He's a very, I feel like he's a prolific, he's a very capable, competent guy. I thought you were going to say a prolific masturbator. Well, maybe that too. <laughs> I'm just, I'm extrapolating. You're extrapolating? It's a, it's a compliment. I think every like any man who who read this story was secretly like yeah yeah you know like that's a real maybe women were too Matt you got to hit oh, yeah. so any person yes any person read, yeah yeah right all right what do we have for uh, isn't so that isn't terrible? that terrible we have a story about um, a Florida teen who installed security cameras in her bedroom to get proof of abuse after uh, authorities failed to believe her. Um, uh, after her allegations were ignored for years. You'd never guess that guy looks like such a nice guy uh, from his photo. Uh, I don't know how to describe him except for not looking nice. Um, so the article at the Daily News writes, when those around a Florida teen ignored her allegations of physical abuse, she took matters into her own hands and installed security cameras in her bedroom to get the proof she needed. Clips recorded by the 14-year-old resulted in the arrest of Damon Becknell. He was charged with child abuse without great bodily harm and animal cruelty. Um, the relationship between the two is unknown at this time. According to ABC News, the girl turned over a pair of videos to the Okaloosa County Sheriff's Office, alleging they would reveal the abuse she experienced the night prior. The 47-year-old suspect can be seen in the videos headbutting, it's not funny, headbutting yeah, the girl, laughing? grabbing Jeez. her by the hair, and then throwing her against the wall. At one point, Becknell can also be seen pulling out a knife and shouting expletive-laden threats toward the young girl's dog. I will cut his effing god dang dog's... I will cut this effing god dang dog's eyeballs out. I think it's, I will cut this fucking goddamn dog's fucking eyeballs out. I know, out. you're right. I, this is a family show, and I wanted to make sure that the kids listening to us talk right. about a guy threatening to disembowel... This is the, this is the Carrie story, right? He shouted while the teen begged him to stop. But here's... Yes, here's the best part. So that's already terrible, right? Right. That's terrible. Listen to this part. The girl's mother, Allison Tringa, said in an interview that her daughter had been attempting to report the abuse for years, but neither she nor the authorities believed her. Okay. And then she says, nothing was done. Nothing has ever been done to help my daughter. She absolutely knew that something bad was going to happen and nobody would believe her unless she had that on film. The mother said she was horrified when she first watched the clips, but praised her daughter as a strong and smart little girl. She's absolutely my hero. She is my hero. Okay, mom, you can't do that. You didn't believe her. Right. Like, she's talking about it like other authorities besides herself didn't believe it, the daughter. Yeah, I, they, I think this they clearly haven't told us all the details of the story. But yeah, if she didn't believe her, then the rest of that, those quotes I fall mean, a little just, bit flat. Yeah, 
Right. It's kind of funny almost. She's like nobody. Nobody believed her, including myself, including myself. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But she's my hero. Like, so why didn't you believe your daughter? It's just I, it kind of cracked me up. It's like so weird and dark and sordid and delusional. Like she just no one would believe her America. until she had. Yeah. Until she had the, the video tapes. And she's just my hero for overcoming the, uh, you know, assholes who didn't believe her, including it, myself. This is such like the like a, uh, an America 22nd 20 21st century story uh all around because yeah. it's it's just a horrible home situation right. you have the the narcissistic yes. post-millennial parent who just yeah. like loves to be quoted in the yeah. in the newspaper right I, even if it's her, totally her, like yeah. self-accusatory yeah exactly uh you know then the the, the home surveillance thing yeah. yeah, very very like sm- smart girl though right very yes. smart teen yeah um, anyway totally unredeeming story makes us all feel warm and fuzzy inside yeah and, Almost uh, as warm and fuzzy as the masturbating story, if possible. Well, right. you know what they the tie that binds is that they're both very capable. Right. But she yes. does it for good. They get things done. They get get her done. They get things done, yeah. <laughs> right. So we're recording today on Wednesday. So right. I'm sure that by the time you're listening to this or watching this, it'll be totally different and like Biden will have won or something. Yeah, it's it's possible you might even have the results by the time oh, this wow. comes out. Oh, wow. Don't get anyone's hopes up. Yeah. Um, so this is, a, I mean, obviously, in, at this particular point in time, here's what we can say, is that this was a, a hugely anticipated first vote, uh, unprecedented uncertainty at the top of a presidential uh, primary race. Going into the race, it looked like Sanders was pulling away in the polls. Uh, and in the last week, there was a series of just bizarre incidents that created additional tension between, I guess we would call it the progressives and the, the sort of centrists, yeah. right? And this all of this sort of ended in this fiasco of an election night where not only do we not get results, but... Two days later, we're we're actually arguing over what constitutes winning, right? The election, right. right? So this is unlike, you know, say the presidential election where okay, he won the popular vote, yeah. and she won the pot, I mean, she won the popular vote, he won the right. electoral college. This is a situation where they're we're getting people telling us that the new parameters for victory in the Iowa caucus are state delegate. What is it? SD state delegate. Equivalent state delegate equivalent. Yeah, I don't even know what that means. Honestly, nobody knows what right. that means. Even Iowans I talked to were like, "What the hell is right. an SDE?" Right? right. It's something. Well, it's it's something you can contract if you don't use. Right. You know, yes. Exactly. Be careful. Right. Uh, so this is to to me. This is so. It's so symbolic of everything that is screwed up about this particular brand of yeah i mean this not even being able to agree on what winning is is it's just like the clinton thing you know we're arguing over what is means right or what is oh is, yeah yeah right? the bill clinton yeah yeah sex blowjob thing yeah so all of that happened and the stuff leading into it yeah let's talk about a fun moment okay we got we got two fun moments we could talk about okay um, yeah, pre-Iowa fun moments. Okay, so they, they took place in Iowa. So the first one is let's watch what happens when, um, sounds like a, vo- uh, a BuzzFeed article. Watch what happens when uh, someone mentions Hillary Clinton dissing Bernie, something we talk about, um, and Rashida Tlaib, Ilan Omar, and Pramila Ja... Oh, Jayapal? Jayapal. Jay apologize for that. <laughs> that was good. I didn't even plan that. 
Framilla Jaya Paul. It's good, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, They're sitting on the stage. A woman brings up uh, Hillary Clinton dissing Bernie, and here's what happens. I don't remember if you guys remember last week when someone by the name of Hillary Clinton said that nobody, we're not going to boo, we're not going to boo, we're classy here. No, we're no classy. I'll boo. Boo. <laughs> I, you all know I can't be quiet. No, we're going to boo. That's all right. The haters, the haters will shut up on Monday when we win. So that's Rashida Tlaib. And what's amazing is um, her face when the woman um, moderating the the event mentions Clinton. It's amazing. Her face, she's just like puckers up. Right. Like, it's like she's smelling rotted cheese yeah, or something exactly, like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. And it's so it's it's really hilarious because then you see Pramila Jayapal and Ilan Omar are like dying like Pramila uh, looks away, um, not in like anger or disgust, but she's like, oh, my God, I can't believe it. Of course, she's doing this. She's like laughing. And uh, it's also really cute because they're like holding hands at some point. They just look like cute, like women uh, having fun. And uh, right. And then, of course, what happens after that is that there's complete consternation and gnashing of teeth and yeah. demands for apology, which I which uh, disappointingly she, she, she did, gave yeah. into. She kind of did. You know, Michael McKean, the actor, he's mm-hmm. great. But he when she kind of apologized and he's like, yeah, you were. And now this is be the only thing you're known for. Right. That was a bad tweet, sir. And I love Spinal Tap and I love him on Better Call Saul. Right, yeah. That was a bad tweet though. Yeah. It was so condescending and chiding. Okay. Which is like so offensive. It's like not, she's not gonna be known for being the first Palestinian elected Congress member. No, not gonna be known for being one of the two Muslim American women serving in the Congress right now. No, she's gonna be remembered for saying Hillary Clinton is boo worthy. She's not going to be remembered for that. She'll be remembered for for other things, I'm certain, because yeah, this, this, like the, um, America's the attention span, and, it's, yeah. they've already forgotten that this right. happened. So you're on notice, Michael McKean. If you would like to come on the show to redeem yourself, we're open to interviewing you. Right. Or really any member of the Spinal Tap. Yeah. Uh, oh, Christopher uh, Guest. Forget it. Yeah. Harry Shearer. Yeah. Who we love. Yeah. Um, we'll even take, yeah, we'll even take a Michael McKean. That's how committed we are to dialogue right and bruno kirby if he's around you. we'll, we'll, we'll oh, take I him like him yeah bruno kirby he's excellent. the one who plays the chauffeur and um spinal tap right and spinal tap when yeah. you've lived and loved like frankie right right that's a great line yeah. yeah 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 so that was a fun moment i would say the tlaib thing i liked it a lot now this is a great moment too this is at a rally a sanders thing and brother cornell and nina turner are there and Okay, they're all on stage. Bernie Sanders on stage. And how would you describe what's happening? Nina Turner, first of all, is wearing an amazing, it looks like a black velvet jumpsuit. Yeah. And I'll just say she looks great. She looks like uh, amazing, fierce. She looks fierce. So my answer is problematic. Yeah. Whoa. All right. <laughs> no, no, oh. I, think that, I don't think I can actually. Oh, comment. Okay, you don't have to comment on, on how she looks or what she's wearing, but can we just talk about the dancing? And also, Cornell West has his signature scarf on, three-piece suit, and they're dancing with each other, and they're kind of doing, he's doing like a, how would you describe it? What is he doing with his hands? I, Almost like shooting pistols down, but not pistols. They're like, he's just like w- wagging his hands. I can't explain it. And then he and she and he and Nina Turner are like dancing with each other, like facing each other. And they kind of sh- shimmy around to pose for a photo. So they're doing a photo op, but they're like dancing on their way to the photo op. And then they put their arms around each other. But it's just amazing. 
Yeah, it's a, that. That's quite a video, isn't it? Great. Brianna Joy Gay tweeted this and was like, "Happy Black History Month." <laughs> but it is. It's such a great. Uh, uh, like, where else does this happen? What other campaign? We, we should. We should have a at the end of the campaign. We should have a list of all the like a, a mashup of all the campaign Dance, dancing moves, and, yeah, and right. have have votes on it. Yeah, because like Dancing with the Stars. I think there, there's always a lot of surprises in campaign right. dancing. You never know. Like, people, oh, but you're right. This is as of now the best campaign related dance we've seen. Is it? Yeah, probably. I mean, I, the high the hopes thing I, from Pete Buttigieg's people is like the worst thing I've ever seen. Yeah, I wouldn't expect Every a lot of great dancing them, out of that campaign. But you never know. That's the you thing never about know, campaign. right? Well, yeah, because Andrew Yang was very, very had he's great got, rhythm. He's got good dancing. Yeah. So, so that, so that happened. That happened. Yeah. What do they say in that tweet? We got sauce for days. You gotta love the Bernie campaign. We got sauce for days. Bernie twenty twenty released the poll. Okay, that's a good segue. And I hashtagged with these hips. Get it? Because Nina Turner does with these hands. Oh, right. Yes. That was funny. I just yeah. want to give myself credit again for a great tweet. Yeah. You're, All right. I'm just, a, I'm being this so This is the Kate, Katie re- reciting yeah, her tweet exactly, show? Yeah. I like I'm going to do a one woman show. Right. An hour yeah. long, me reading my tweets. Yeah. That can be an accessory. Yeah. I'll just sit, I'll sit and, and I'll, I'll be the Ed McMahon. Yeah, yeah, your, yeah exactly. That's a good segue yeah. because the release, the poll was oh related gosh. to this thing. Uh, and I don't think it's necessarily Sanders related. It's just, it was very strange. The Des Moines Register um was about to release what the newspapers were calling a marquee poll it's one of the it's usually one of the more influential uh polls before the caucus and they just spiked it at the last minute because the Buttigieg campaign complained that there was that there was something wrong with the methodology there was a quote-unquote mishap which turned out to be amazing foreshadowing of what happened yeah, on election night foreshadow Apping oh, amazing. for shadow apping. Right? Yeah, amazing, a, yeah. It's a pun a minute it's here. It's a pun a minute. It's yeah, pundamanium. Right, right. Um, Where's Cory Booker? Pundamanium. That's good too, right? It's, yeah, yeah. All very, of these just made up on the spot people. Very good, very good. So that happened. That created a whole bunch of anxiety heading into the campaign already, into the vote already because right. people were upset about this idea that there was some kind of, you know, somebody, somebody was going to try to cheat somehow, yeah. right? And then it was heightened uh, on the day before... You were in the days before the campaign when the a story was released um, where essentially the DNC oh, yeah. uh, was whispering to reporters, not even whispering, they're telling reporters that they're going to re- deploy a quote unquote troll army to combat uh, a Russian disinformation so campaign amazing, yeah. uh, that they were expecting ahead of uh, the Iowa caucus right. vote. So now we have... Now we have a poll that's not coming out because somebody said something to somebody, and they're they're soiling their what's the word I'm looking for? They're they're um, um tar- they're, they're, tarnish- uh, uh, soiling is what you said. No, something the waters muddying the muddying waters. The waters. Mud- muddying the waters. They're crapping in the waters. Yeah, uh, soiling, crapping. By, yeah. They're they, defecating in the waters. Yeah. Why not? Or, or else, or or else. Yeah, for, in, for instance, for instance, um, if you will. If you will, they they uh, they're implying essentially that uh, you know any kind of yeah. propaganda or online campaigning for probably any of a number of candidates or anything against the DNC right. or anything like uh, like there was there was concern about the word rigged. Yeah, which right? is wow, I, that's not a setup or anything. Right, it's like con- it's a conspiracy shaming again. Yeah, it's it's like also now in retrospect, it's like oh, that's very convenient. Good thing you you developed that as like as something to be on the lookout for. Right, and equated that with some kind of online Russian yeah, campaign, with foreign subversion. It's so bad, and also I love the way they write it. Like 
Okay, so this was like a combo of of Clintonites, like people from the Clinton campaign. And again, we're not trying to relitigate 2016. They just are those people. And like some Facebook person teaming up, right? Mm -hmm. To to try to like... um, Yeah, they have this thing called a trendalizer. Yeah, what the hell? Which is like straight out of idiocracy. I mean, it's the the whole thing is, is, is nuts. Yeah. And, it's so, and they make it seem like it was in self. It was like to protect the integrity of of the internets against the Russians. Well, okay, but, th- but that's the segue into the next thing. As if David Brock and all of them hadn't already been doing that, like We're, before this. I think yeah. a- anybody who's online knows that there's an enormous social media presence, you know, for people who are propagandizing in the other direction, yes. right, or in. You know, domestically, let's put it right. As I way. said in another tweet, I'm on the site. Uh, the the Bernie Bros, like no one has to pay us. Mm-hmm. Like we are just a committed to the to the cause. But the other side, this was in 2016. Like, but the Clinton people need to actually like hire people to do this, which right. is what David, um, uh, what's his name, Brock, Brock did. Yeah. So yeah. So so the the other go. thing about that though is is that all this sort of self-generated uh, uh, psychogenic craziness about, about foreign subversion is part of the justification for uh, introducing things like this new app, right. reporting right. app, right? Right. Well, we want to show, not tell what they did, right? Apparently. Right. Yeah. Like the, the the voter, what's the word? So, Michigas, I believe is the oh, word. Oh, is it? Okay. Well, I mean, I'm just like, we... It, that it's like that's our lane mm-hmm. we're going to be intervening and fucking up elections we're going to be violating the integrity of elections right right i don't think they meant it that way but that's that's how no. it came out right yes so, so well, they, they kind of mean it that way they, they the the justification for all this new uh you know would be super advanced right web technology that's going to protect all of us mm-hmm. uh it, it came from you know this paranoia, which I think is completely overblown to begin of with, and, is, and and has also been used, uh, you know, essentially to smear all kinds of people who just have legitimate grievances about yeah. stuff. As um, Russians, Russian bots. Yeah, you're all Russians. You're all Trumpians, in league with Russian yeah. bots or whatever so it is. Yeah. Whether it's Republicans or or progressives or Bernie people or Yang people or whatever it is, like they they. The they start with the implication that all these people are in league with foreigners. Right. Then they use that as a justification to introduce all this new technology, right. whether it's in, with elections or Facebook or Google, like, oh, we need this additional layer of protection. Then that layer of protection turns out to be a problem. Right. As, as we find out on election night, when the this new app uh, that was developed by a company called Acronym, right? Which it's or Shadow. Already. Yeah, Shadow and we're going to talk to acronym Pacronym or something. Yeah, and, the, and Lee will tell us about the, this. The yeah. Lee is going to talk about this, but this is a needlessly secret company that has, um, you know, basically nobody listed on its, you know, yeah. uh, about page. Very shadowy. Yeah, yeah. and uh, and so we have this this new layer of stuff that makes something that shouldn't be complicated, right? In, all uh, incredibly complicated. It's like in order to protect democracy and voting. They are getting in the way of democracy and voting. They're they're adding new layers of opacity to right. a process that's exactly. going to create that's going to create so much more distrust and anger and fear. And, and no matter w- whether this was innocent or not, what happened on on Monday, right. people certainly have questions about yeah. it, and it's going to make them not have confidence. Which they in the have process. the right to have. I'm so tired of people trying to like marginalize people who have questions whether or not there was a conspiracy. It's not actually. Um, at all problematic, stupid, or paranoid to wonder if there was. Absolutely. I yeah. Mean, 
and and I think this is one of the things we're, we should we should get cut Wait, to yeah. MSNBC explaining what happened. Oh, yeah. There are three different categories. They were all just released at once. What you're seeing on your screen right now, this is the state delegate equivalent category. <clears throat> this is. Uh, so the numbers you see underneath, 359 for Buttigieg, 334 for Sanders, 243 for Elizabeth Warren. These are state delegate equivalents. Now, remember, there are about 2,100 of these statewide. So Buttigieg with 359, that's accounting for 27%. You can start to do the math of what that accounts for. These are, this is a complicated formula where each precinct in the state is worth a certain number of state delegate equivalents. They work their way up. Notably, let me make sure I saw this right. This is the final problem. Product. This is the initial preference. Yes, we have a discrepancy right now. Huh. The initial preference when people showed up, this is, remember, these are not final results right now. He said 62% of precincts. We got to see what that exactly accounts for in terms of votes here. But right now, the numbers that the Iowa Democratic Party just released, the initial preference in these precincts, you can see, was Sanders 24. Buttigieg 21, Warren 19, Biden 15. You can see Klobuchar 13. And you can see what happens. Remember, in every precinct, 15% the magic number. So let's show you what happened then. Again, for all these precincts, this is the second, this is the reallocation. So watch, remember those numbers? Now watch this. And there you go. San no, wow, so Sanders on the second allocation continues to lead much tighter. So how does Sanders lead in the state delegate equivalent? Uh, excuse me, how does Buttigieg lead in the state delegate equivalent? If he's not leading on the second allocation, it gets into, and I got to take a look here very closely, but my theory, my suspicion here, strong suspicion would be what we've been talking about. These counties are weighted differently here. The rural counties have a little bit more clout when it comes to the state delegate equivalents. And you can see here Buttigieg in dark blue. These are rural counties. These are rural counties. Sanders purple, College County, College County, College County, watch, 52% for Sanders here. These counties lose influence, lose clout in the state delegates. And so therefore, I think what you're seeing is the clout of the Buttigieg counties in the state delegate equivalent, putting him on top. By the way, he's not, he doesn't gesticulate. I'm sorry, that's very goyish, uh, nerdy hand movements. Is that's it? wrong, yeah. Okay. Uh, what what's Sorry, a, what would gesticulating be? Literally, uh, more it's like more, uh, yeah, more like Bernie. It's more fluid. It's less kind of choppy. Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, do I do that? A teeny bit. Yeah. A little bit. Wow. Not, no, the, not the gesticulating. The no, other the, kind. The a little thing? bit. Yeah. Yeah. You kind of do. Violent? Yeah. No, more wonky. I'm wonky. sorry. Really? Yeah. All right. I Less feel... alpha than you're imagining. Okay. Wow. That's a double it's blow. A beta. It's a beta. Beta body movement. <laughs> we got to get a body. Uh, Body language, beta body language expert in here. Joanne um, Reed. To watch some more. Give us your woman. Yeah, yeah. Um, first of all, bullshit on this. I, the, the, this is. I don't even know. Th there where is. To start. There's. This is not how you measure who wins the primary. You can do it by popular vote, and you can do it by by national delegates okay. to the convention. All right. The national delegates are ostensibly, at the, as of this moment, tied. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and Sanders by any count so far is winning the the popular right. vote he won it in the first round he won it in yeah. the second round right uh so this state delegate equivalent which is a number that i had never heard of cutting into this election they're now going to use this to sell the idea that Budicic won the election are you kidding me and then they're, they're guido and then we're we have the you have guys getting on tv saying i think what I we're think seeing my suspicion is my sus like that's going to inspire confidence yeah. like 
this is it's it's, it's a joke the whole it thing really is, a joke. is yeah it's really uh this is this would be a great mashup all the people just like flipping like uh tripping over themselves not knowing how to explain what the hell is going on right yeah we should we should do that we, we should, should do the, yeah. a mashup uh, yeah. of, of all the confusing explanations yeah. which then, i think yeah. mine probably counted but well uh, how yeah. could it not at this point it's pretty meta we're explaining how they messed up narrating what happened so. right so the other thing about this is that the the failure to release the results that's bad enough okay yeah. that they didn't have the results that they by all rights should have had within a couple of hours right then they start releasing the results piecemeal over the course of days and each of the candidates were mainly pete where there's there it gives them fresh news cycles every yeah. couple of hours to declare victory and so then by the end if if no matter who wins in the end it's not going to seem like really winning yeah it, at this point it's not like a normal election night you you should just wait until it's done right. because it, it, at that point you're, you're i mean it seemed like they were releasing it whenever pete was obviously i'm pro bernie and also protective of burn anti-bernie bias um or i see it a lot but like didn't it seem like it was when Pete was doing well that they would announce it? They would turn it into a news story? Yeah, I, it seemed like that. It seemed like uh, there wasn't any enough of a, 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 a crazy reaction when Pete declared victory after 0% was reporting. And then why do they stop at 62%? Like, why is that the result number? Yeah. And wh why is nobody asking the question of like, how come that those numbers don't match what the campaigns were telling us? Yeah. Oh, right. You know, that's the other thing. Right. Like I, I talked to some of the precinct captains while I was there. And again, just to be clear, they were all sending the results in to the campaign. Right. So the campaigns must know or they must have at least a ballpark idea of what was happening in yeah. each of these places. So, you know, Sanders released some things saying we were comfortably ahead yeah. after 60 percent. And suddenly the numbers are completely different when they come out. Um, didn't also like in 2016, didn't Hillary win all? There were like six coin tosses and she won all six. Mm, I don't remember that. That's kind of a weird. Like, well, we have that video. Of the, yeah. Of the what, yeah. What's that? Then there's this video of a kid doing the coin toss. Doing the coin toss. And he's like putting it in his hand and like rubbing it around. And yeah. It looks, looks clear. It looks like really he's just, sketchy. Yeah. The, the, he also the looks coin like tosses such are, a Buttigieg guy. He looks like he too runs was with a back. I know. He looks yeah. like he runs with a backpack full of books for yeah. the for the cross town. Yeah, he ran with his V for Vendetta mask into yeah, the yeah, exactly. yeah. Um the whole thing was just a, a complete and total mess. And who the hell is Pete saying he's a fucking he's having that it's victory is his? Well, I mean, he said we were we, we've we've emerged victorious. I forget what the quote was the, at the with zero percent. I've emerged victorious. But we all have. Yeah. yeah. I'm just going to say I have. Yeah. And then, you know, Klobuchar came out and said, we punched above our weight. Yeah. How do you know? There's no re there's no returns yet. She well, I guess they, they, they could have. Well, they no. could. Yeah. And and didn't speaking of which, you want to tell us about um, Iowa and. Uh, yeah. Who, I mean, the, who, you, who I, did I, you hang out with? I spent a lot of time. I followed Biden around a little bit. I talked to some of the people he was <clears throat> poking, you know, um, I, I went to Klobuchar's thing during the Super Bowl and there were like 10 million journalists around her. Any erratic, violent behavior on her part? No. no. I mean, it was just uh, I think the thing that the main thing that I got from people is that there was an unusual level of anxiety among Iowans uh, heading into this thing. Like I, I met people who are undecided heading into the last day or two. Like actually the, the woman 
you might have read about this that there was a woman oh that, my Biden, God, that this is amazing. Biden said, like, if I haven't convinced you yet, oh no, um, you know, I'm not going to. Right. And that was on Saturday. This was a woman who was genuinely undecided. I talked yeah, to her. Yeah. Oh, really? Did what she say? And she was like, I, I wasn't being cheeky. Like, I, I was really ready to vote for the guy. And because, now is she not? Yeah, no, she didn't. She was actually leaning toward Warren. And then, you know, the whole hot mic thing and the debate uh, threw her off. Oh, good. Yes. Yeah, so she was her vote was in play and she went up to Biden and I went to this thing there like they actually physically want to meet the candidate. Yeah. They, they think it's part of their obligation yeah. as Iowans to make sure that they meet them. So right. if they're near, they go. To yeah. see it. She goes to see Biden and she's like, hey, undecided voter here. And she tries to talk to him and he just completely wigs out on her. He's like, hey, if I haven't He's so convinced crazy. you yet. Yeah. How this, many people has he told not to vote for him? Like a bunch a of lot. people. Yeah. yeah. And so who did she vote for? Did she tell you? Um, she ended up, I think, moving to Sanders. Her husband was was a Yang voter. Good. Uh, right. And uh, that, was, that they, would have been interesting. A Yang Biden mixed household. Yeah. Yeah. No. But the there were I met another person at a, at a Klobuchar event who was saying, like, I, you know, I we always decide months before. But now this time, like we're having neighborhood meetings and people are like violently arguing with each other because nobody knows who to vote for. Hmm. Uh, so there was a lot of that going on. And do people just walk around with like corn dogs in Iowa? That's what <laughs> I get in both hands. Yeah, yeah at least one. Uh, I don't want to stereotype and make them a parody. So I'll just say one. Well, so it was so cold when I was there. Oh, that right. Frozen yeah, corn dogs. Yeah, frozen corn. A lot, a lot of mud. Not so many corn yeah, dogs. Yeah, I didn't know there was so much mud. Okay. A cool. lot of mud in Iowa. And where did you watch the results? I went to the Sanders uh, thing at the you know, the Holiday Inn, Airport Holiday Inn in Des Moines. And uh, it was funny. There were like there, there was a dude who had, who had smuggled a, a joint in, in his underwear. And he was trying to get everybody high there. And nice. there were, everybody was ready to celebrate. Yeah. And then all hell broke loose and it was a total mess. Even more of a reason to smoke. Yeah, exactly. It's like a calming thing. Yeah. Yeah. Stone moment. It was funny because this dude uh, had he had like the spin doctor's hat on, you know, oh, nice. and every reporter in the room wanted to talk to him right. because they wanted like to, the picture of. Right. Yeah, that was the Bernie supporter. But. Maybe he was like a, a he was a by like a Pete guy infiltrating, trying to make the, the campaign look like a stereotype yeah yeah maybe maybe it was pete it was pete in the yeah. spin doctor's hat yeah that would be amazing <laughs> should we have pete, you should walk pete around singing two princes yes. that would be really funny or little miss can't be wrong oh that's a good song that's a good one yeah. yeah 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 in summation this iowa thing was a demonstration of everything that is messed up about the modern yeah. democratic party and it was just a, a, a terrible advertisement for the the current state of this so party angry, yeah. i mean i think the way i was looking back at it was this is like the undoing of all the good feeling that people had like when bill clinton got elected yeah. right and this whole idea that this was going to be the dawn of a new generation of kind of young vigorous right and this is they're now the op they're the establishment conservative scummy villains dishonest despite the fact that they played the saxophone right yeah the saxophone and, and dance to yesterday's yeah. to don't stop yeah. with fleetwood mac yeah yeah uh, okay so we had a bunch of uh stone moments yeah um, that's good so, warren had a really good one yeah. to our government over over time
this for someone else? Yeah. Good. Uh, my, my friend Dale, where's my friend Dale? There, there he is. He's an incel, and he just wanted to say his first words to a woman in a long time, so. Hi, Dale. It's the first time he's ever spoken to a woman. Uh-huh. It's, it's, it's good to see you. I'm, I'm glad you're here, Dale, and I'm hanging on to the ring. Okay? So, I will be your kidney. Yes. All right. Thank you. Take care. Take care, guys. You know, it's always exciting to be in Iowa. <laughs> Bruce, you okay with this, sweetheart? Bruce probably is okay with that because, as we've documented before, Bruce is not very excited about Warren. Yeah, he won't even take a drink, have a drink have a with, her, with her. Uh, yeah. Okay. So, what the hell? So there's there's nothing to say about that except everything about that video is uncomfortable. So a guy, you see, Warren is interrupted by a guy who gets up on the stage in a very preppy outfit, is kneeling, flips open a ring thing, and asks, "Will you be my candidate? Will you marry me? Yeah. It's Will you be so my president?" Weird. And then there's this sort of this weird grappling thing. Like she, he's, she's trying to let him go, but then he, 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 he keeps touching her, and then she, yeah. she thinks she has to reciprocate, grabs him back. It's and then what does she say? How does she bring up the other guy? She's like, "Are you here with someone else?" And he's like, yeah, my friend Dale over there has, ne- has never talked to a woman because he's an incel yeah. or whatever. And it's this it's is the first so time he's ever talked to weird. a woman. Like, yeah. So I think um, that's another Pete uh, spy. Oh yeah, it could be. Why it could be the he, same person? Yeah. Who did the coin flip. Why is he say he's an incel? Does, she doesn't know what that means. I don't think involuntary uh, uh, celibate. Right. Like I don't even understand what he's. Is this a prank on his friend? He's asking her to be the candidate. It's so weird. Yeah, it's weird on like nine levels. And she, she, uh, I guess she handled it pretty much the best way. Yeah, this made me, you know what? I don't like these videos. This one makes me like Warren. Yeah. It's dangerous. There was a lot of yanking going on there, but anyway, yeah. Yang? Yang. Bum, bum, bum. Different candidate. I know. Can't stop me. Won't, can't stop, won't stop. Oh, and then you're, you have a stone moment because you watched the Super Bowl with, um, Amy Klobuchar, right? Right. Yes. Did you like the Shakira performance? Yeah, that, there were a lot of men in the in the uh, sports bar yeah. who were making some comments, but I don't think I should repeat any no, of them. No, you probably shouldn't. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's my impersonation of her. <laughs> That's pretty good. good, right? Yeah. She's Lebanese and Colombian. Did you know that? What does that mean? That means that her dad, I believe, is Lebanese and her mom is Colombian. Right, but I mean, how would how would what's the punchline oh, the there? Meat? Like, so what's like the, that, the I, meal. Yeah, like I Arepa. I met, saw a, a comedian once who said he was half Irish, half Italian, which meant that he liked to fight and he could. Oh, that's great! Yeah. I like that a lot. There's yeah. also pizza bagel. That's very boring, though. Oh, okay. That's Italian Jewish. I made one up for Irish Jewish, which is um, Irish. It's potato. It's potato famine latka. So speaking of Amy Klobuchar, here is something that happened. I, I didn't learn about this until quite recently. This is a stone moment, like more like a bad acid trip, I think. The president actually sent out a tweet. He made fun of me for talking about climate change in the middle of a blizzard, and he called me snow woman. So I wrote back, hey, Donald Trump, the science is on my side, and I'd like to see how your hair would fare in a blizzard. So I wrote back, hey, Donald Trump, the science is on my side, and I'd like to see how your hair would fare in a blizzard. So I wrote back, Donald Trump, the science is on my side, 
and I'd like to see how your hair would fare in a blizzard. Sometimes, if you haven't noticed, you use a little humor. Like when he called me Snow Woman at my announcement in the middle of that thing, I wrote back on Twitter, I'd like to see how your hair would fare in a blizzard. So I wrote back, hey, Donald Trump. So I wrote back, uh, hey, Donald Trump. So I wrote back, I wrote back. I tweeted back, the, the science, science is on, on my, my side. side. And I'd like to see how and your like hair would fare in a blizzard. And I'd like to see how your hair would fare in a blizzard. And I'd like to see how your hair would fare in a blizzard. Mr. Umbrella Man. And he called me Snow Woman. So I wrote back, I'd like to see how your hair would fare in a blizzard. That was from The Daily Show. I've heard that, I've heard that joke. Did she make three, it? Three times, yeah. You, there? At the uh, no, not, not, not at that one. How close were you to her? I, mean, I was in the same room. She was in, a, right. in a sports bar. So, um, By the but way. I heard, I heard that one in Iowa over the summer, twice uh, at least. So uh, she... She likes to use humor. Every time I've seen Klobuchar, it's the same thing from the press section. Somebody always says, my God, she's so funny. Really? It drives me crazy. I'm like, who? That's awful. That person should be fired. It, like, it's, it, this is a journalist's idea of what a sense right, of humor is, right. you know, which is, none of them actually think it's funny, but. Oh, they're just lying? No, the, the, their idea, like, oh, to them, like, this is what a funny politician right, is. Right, You know, they wouldn't actually laugh at these jokes. Got it. Um, by the way, you've seen Waiting for Government, of course. You've referenced that yeah. before. It's my favorite, one of my top five favorite movies. But when she's like, sometimes I use humor. Reminds me of when Eugene Levy is like, people say um, you must have been the class clown. I say, no, I wasn't. But I sat next to him and I studied him and I saw what he did to make people <laughs> laugh. I inherited uh, va the bug. My it's booby made a kishka. No, no. My, my great, great grandfather from the vaudeville from the Vaudeville Review, from the sardonically irreverent Dibbick Schmibbick, I said more ham. <laughs> Sorry, I love that's like an amazing. Yeah, it's just terrible. That's yeah. a great mashup, though. It is right. That was yeah. that's a rare, uh, unique, good thing from the Daily Show. So we have a Camp Crystal Lake uh, update. It's very sad. Someone dropped out. His name is John Delaney. Not that John Delaney. What do you mean? Oh, that is him. That oh my is God. him. Okay, so here's what's amazing about John Delaney. With a hat and not in a suit, he's very different looking from the way he, basically he has you're, bald. You're bald shaming him. He's bald, no I am, I'm trying to be diplomatic. I'm trying to be, be diplomatic, but he has bald, it's the opposite of privilege, it's bald. We live in a baldophobic world and right. I made the assumption, I did, when I saw him bald, I didn't imagine that he would be the type of person who would tweet something uh, very clever, first of all, his, his tweet is very clever. He goes, lots of people jumping into the race, so I decided to do a few sets of 10 box jumps on the 30-inch platform as a warm-up to my workout. So this is John Delaney doing something that no one in my family has box ever jumps. done before, I don't think. Yeah, like I don't think there's any helper or Eisenberg no. who has ever done that. Is there a helper, has any helper vertical jumped while a car drove underneath? No, not no? either. No, okay, that's a good trick to try. You should try that. I have hope. you done it? <laughs> no, no, oh, I okay. haven't, not, no, not in a while. Well, uh, 
it's an amazing thing to to behold, and like you would not expect it to come from John Delaney. Just because uh, he's bald. But well, you said, look, I I want a little behind the scenes, uh, dropping that you know, crush that fourth uh, fourth wall. You, I started telling you about this, and you were like, "Really? I never thought of That's that." That's true. Because, You're right. Because you saw him, you made a bald assumption. You're right. A bald faced assumption. You're right. And I have, and he, he is a buff dude. I have to he's, say, and it's true. In a suit, and do you know he probably could have won this primary if if he could have worn a baseball hat during the debates. <laughs> He looks so nerdy, and he—I he, mean, he—he he looks like he's related to Buddha Judge. They both have that um, chipmunk look. No, nah, he looks like he looks like he ate Buddha Judge. Yes. I mean, in person, in person, there's no comparison the two. Okay, so Delaney's out. I mean, the the Delaney thing is is quickly really super interesting because his showing was so terrible, and yeah. he he was um, he was supposed to be the realistic candidate. Oh yeah, didn't he own like a camp, like med like some. Yeah, he was he, he was a medical investor. Yeah, basically, you definitely uh, want that. So so he, I mean his his candidacy just never got even slightly off the ground. Right. And he was he was no, he was another one that reporters loved at the beginning. They're like he's the sensible alternative, you know. Well, yeah, I mean, he's like was he was one of those guys who doesn't really believe in Medicare for all, and he's like, believe me, I know because I'm in this industry, and it's right. like, yeah, exactly, that's the problem. Like yeah. you are on the other side right. of it. Yeah. It's like when I have a friend from college who um, I ran into years after we graduated, and she told me she was in um, employment law, mm -hmm. and I was like, oh, which side, the good side or the bad side? She's like, there is no good side or bad side. I was like. Okay, you're on the bad so side. You're on the bad side, yeah. Right, yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's going to be the last one for a little bit, I would think. Probably until after New Hampshire. We got to get so, Pete out. No, he's going to be in for a while. Especially Not if, I can especially help if it. he wins the state delegate equivalent. All right, so we're going to talk to Lee Fong of the Inter Intercept, who's going to fill us in on everything that happened with this crazy uh, caucus race. Yeah. So let's get to that right now. Yeah. All right, Lee Fong, we got to get this out of the way. You and Pete Buttigieg both have one-eyed dogs. Is there a, some other connection before we before we get into the Iowa yeah. fiasco? Yeah, we got it. Do you have any make other? Sure there's no Buttigieg conflict of interest or connection. Yeah. I mean, we have shared um, deep state connections, mostly through the CIA. <laughs> right. Um, otherwise, yes, we both have one-eyed dogs. Uh, Shug Shug Fong is a prominent member of my family. Actually, the most prominent. He has a lot of clout. His own Instagram gram page is huge. Wow. So, Shug, uh, one-eyed dog, Pete's dog, I forgot the name of it, also one eye. Yeah, he, he, it's part of his stump act. He always talks about how his dog only has one eye, yet still has the depth perception to catch any piece of food you throw at him. That's so That's the weird. big laugh yeah. line at his events. So what? How? Yeah, Shug, no, no depth perception. Uh, I think he's kind of deaf, but wow. um, it's very cute. You know, it's, 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 it's kind of fucked up, but, you know, when dogs... Are like you know pugs or whatever, and they're, oh, they're yeah. horribly mutilated through you know generations of uh, breeding. But it, it makes them super cute. Yeah, I know what you mean about pugs. Yeah, I just spent some time with a pug. Very cute. Very. They really cute. look like pigs. Excellent. Do you use the hashtag Shug Life? No, but you know, it's always time. There's always there yeah, it's always uh, it's always time to start. Yeah. So, so Lee Fong, tell us about a uh, shadow and acronym. Yeah. You were the first person I think really to jump on this. Yeah. Well, you know, I've followed this group uh, over the last year or two since they launched. Um, I've met some of the people involved. And, you know, there are a number of organizations that launched in the last few years that 
are claiming to be the next big thing in democratic politics, that Trump dominated Democrats on digital media, on Facebook. And so acronym slash PACronym is the latest to kind of vacuum up Silicon Valley money, Wall Street money, um, and provide this new bold solution to save the Democratic Party, but in a kind of bitter twist of irony or you know some type of bitter twist, um, it appears that they are the ones responsible for the Iowa caucus fiasco. Um, we were among the first to report on the night of the caucus that the super secret app that was uh, developed by acronym slash Packronym through one of their subsidiaries uh, called Shadow, uh, it was rushed out the door. There weren't many people who were even developing this, uh, given to the Iowa Democratic Party to help manage the caucus process. You know, the, the precinct secretaries and officials that were supposed to be tabulating the results and collecting the votes, they couldn't log in. They couldn't install the app. They were given no proper training. It was very clear um, as the caucus was going on that the app was was buggy. They couldn't transmit the the data correctly. I mean, absolute fiasco. It's a, it's a catastrophe. I don't know when the show will air, but you know, we're two days out uh, from the caucus. Only 71% of the results have been publicly reported. Um, this is like this is like banana republic territory yeah. where you know, we're having an election and we have no idea what the result is. And it's, and it's from just I, I guess this mix of incompetence and whatever self-dealing, having these Democratic insiders build this app that doesn't work. Who are these people? Uh, these are mostly folks from the Hillary Clinton campaign, uh, people who were staffers for her in 2016, who left and you know formed these super PACs or dark money groups. Um, there's really an um, umbrella that, that oversees a, a number of digital agencies and for-profit companies. Um, there's some also uh, conflict of interest concerns. You know, we don't know about we don't we don't have a copy of the source code. Um, it's not clear if there's any kind of OPSEC issues. But sorry, um, what's that? What's OPSEC issues? Operational security. Got it. Okay. Right. So we don't. You know. I, you know. I think it's it's important to look at this and say, well, wait a sec. We don't want to be conspiratorial and say, okay, this is being hacked or manipulated um, from a third party. Though, you know, that's obviously something people should look into. Yeah. But this is a company that is uh, uh, run by the Democratic establishment, almost fully staffed by former Hillary Clinton people. If you look at campaign finance disclosures, um, Joe Biden uh, had a small contract with them to do text messaging services. But the major uh, candidate, Pete Buttigieg, uh, spent over $40,000 paying this app developer company so you know you would hope for uh, a company to come in and be the arbit the the neutral arbiter the one who's literally developing the app to tabulate the votes you'd hope that they are truly neutral and not playing um any type of uh, side here or or, or, fa or showing some form of favoritism um but a, a little bit strange that they're uh, only working with are only working with Buttigieg on a major contract um, and it, it, it looks like, uh, you know, Bernie and the other candidates, they didn't they didn't have an in there. And from uh, sources I've talked to both in and around the company, um, uh, a little bit of hostility in terms of the work culture towards people like Bernie. So um, not a big win from the Democratic establishment in terms of uh, delivering a quality product. But 
but here we are. Maybe a big win, depending on their their motives. But you know, going back to the the conspiracy angle, even if there's nothing problematic or or fishy about it, I think there is. But just to to play devil's advocate, like let's say there was no conspiracy, nothing um, below board. It shows such an entitlement that the people wouldn't even th- that they would do this like that they wouldn't even be afraid of coming off as biased that they would have a contract with one of the candidates and not the others it's like there's such a lack of accountability well look here here's what we do know this is a group that went out to the big silicon valley uh investors and tech executives uh reed hoffman and others uh, um went to the big investors hedge fund guys that have have, have financed these type of things in the past on uh, New York. Um, you know, some Hollywood folks invested in them. Um, if you look at the donor class here, uh, this is where the big money is on, on, the, on the left, on the Democratic side. These are not folks that have uh, expressed warm views towards Elizabeth Warren or Bernie Sanders. And, and the people involved in this uh, campaign outfit, it's David Pluff. Um, he's on the board. You know, that's the former Obama uh, campaign manager who went to work for Uber and is also working with the Zuckerberg Chan initiative. Um, you know, I, I, you know I, there's no evidence of um, explicit corruption, but why did uh, the Iowa Democratic Party and apparently the Nevada Democratic Party contract with this firm that had, you know, no expertise in this? I mean, it's, it's more like just the kind of typical small c corruption you see all the time of just backslapping and self-dealing and a small group of, of, of powerful democratic insiders rewarding each other even without a quality product well that's what i was going to ask is it is it corruption or is this just the way people get paid in this business in other words you work for a campaign you get out the you know the russian thing is in the news it's easy, the easiest thing in the world to go to a bunch of Silicon Valley executives and say, hey, we need to update our electoral technology to keep it safe from interference and to, and to upgrade some things and let's lend our names to it and everybody will, will make some money and we'll do a good thing. I mean, is, it, this is just sort of Cronyism? normal routine, isn't it, with politics in, in, in America? Well, sure. It's, it's certainly on the left, you know, I think if you're on the right, you've got buckets of money, you've got hundreds of millions of dollars to develop quality, get out the vote tools, digital tools, because you've got these, you know, Koch brothers, Chamber of Commerce funded outfits that provide you long-term planning. Um, for, for On the left, for Democrats, you have companies that dip in, uh, try to make a lot of money through an, an election, or at least get really famous in an election, and then pivot to their real bread and bed, uh, their, the, the way they're their bread is buttered is consulting for corporations. They don't actually care about the election work. Um, that's, that's, I think, true for the vast majority of these Democratic consultants. So they don't have the, that, that long-term luxury of developing quality tools uh, for Democrats. Um, this uh, voter you know, caucus tool is apparently just rushed out the door and done in the last few months. Uh, without any proper training for the officials involved. So it's more like a business card, right? Like, you, in other words, you're you're trying to get some name recognition for the people who are making the tool, so you can get some better work down the road with with real d- deep pocketed companies. Well, look look at our recent history over the last twenty or thirty years. Um, Bob Shrum, um, Mark oh Penn, God. you know these epic uh, losses in, in terms of right. managing Democratic campaigns. 
Um, they aren't, you know, shunned from society or, you know, I don't know how much introspection there is. They just make millions of dollars then becoming corporate consultants. Right. They mm. fail up. All it takes is the air of confidence, I guess, or just knowing the right people. It doesn't really matter what the results are. Yeah. I mean, some of these Democratic centrists, you know, some of them are very talented and they ran tough races in conservative states. And they did well. Clary McCaskill got lucky with uh, what's his name? Todd Aiken or Todd, yeah. whatever his name yeah. is, making that that crazy comment. That like legitimate rape. Yep. What was it that women can't legitimate rape? Legitimate rape. Yeah. Legitimate rape. Yeah. And then, you know, she 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 pivots off that and wins and then loses her reelection right. in a landslide against Josh Hawley, who I don't know if you remember this. Now he's famous for being the new populist right, the next Trump. But if you actually follow the campaign coverage in Missouri, um, everyone was angry in the re- Republican establishment, Josh Hawley, because he was working out at the gym. He was refusing to do campaign events. That's amazing. He skated by and still wow. beat, beat McCaskill. Wow. I mean, I, and she's the expert on yeah, on exactly on electability and pragmatism. So, so what happened with uh, what what happened? Because uh, in Iowa, I heard all kinds of weird stories about this. He app. was there. I heard I heard things like. The people in the precincts were up, were not, had not downloaded it until that day or, or tried to. Um, did they not test this? Did they, did they not have a dry run? Like, what actually, what was the glitch with this? You know, I, I, I wish I could tell you. You know, I, I only have anecdotal evidence. I've heard probably similar things as you have. A lot of people said they didn't understand the app, they didn't have clear instructions, they couldn't log in, it was buggy, it crashed. <laughs> I mean, just Jesus a litany Christ. of problems. Um, and I, I think the kind of the, the big bigger picture problem here is that, you know, this is not a surprise election. We had years of preparation. Right. The, you know, the, uh, the, the only change here was that the Do- Democratic Party, to their credit, um, for the first time in the Iowa caucus, um, decided to report the initial raw vote in addition to um, the state delegate equivalent, which is used to decide the DNC pledge delegates which is a more democratic solution. So, you know, credit to the Iowa Democratic Party, the DNC there for having more transparency. But this was not a surprise election. They could have done this much earlier and they, they could have gone with, a, you know, a reputative uh, vendor or, you know, technology firm. It didn't have to come from this like insider cabal of Democratic consultants. And when did you first hear of this? Like you said, you've been following this um, for a while. Well, I followed the umbrella group acronym slash acronym over the last year I'm, you know I'm, I'm with was talking to some Democratic consultant friends um, about this and we were looking at the, they were supposed to be the next big thing that changes um, you know the me more on, on Facebook and how Democrats respond to the Trump campaign on on social media and I looked at the ads and we were just like what these are just like Game of Thrones like they took Game of Thrones and then transfixed you know Pete Buttigieg or Warren's face on top of people. And, right. you know, maybe that appeals to some people, but they just look kind of tacky and silly. And I was like, okay, so that was my <laughs> previous knowledge of this group that was raising tens of millions of dollars for these kind of silly ads that, you know, maybe they're appealing to some people, but I, I've kind of rolled my eyes at. Um, but now it comes out that this same group that we were following last year um, bought this company and developed this this app. So did you know that going in? Like, were you expecting something to happen? Did you know that the shadow was theirs um, ahead of the caucus? Or did you just learn about it then? No, I I learned about it then from just tweeting and asking for people to call and email me with tips. I had read stories in NBC News and the Wall Street Journal 
a week prior that there were some concerns um, about you know hacking or cybersecurity, and it did pique my interest. I asked around to find the identity of the app the day before the caucus last weekend and didn't get any answers. We didn't we didn't really find out until the actual night of the election, which is a kind of bizarre level of secrecy. Yeah. Um, the this whole idea that the the Trump campaign somehow was using this amazing secret digital sauce. Like I've, I've heard that idea bandied about a lot. And is it really true? Like I talked to Brad Parscale, the the Trump's digital guy after that election. And he basically was like, no, we just spent a lot of money on Facebook ads. Like there was, was there some big secret on the other side? What, what, what are they trying to do to counter this that is really innovative at all? You know, I don't, I don't know. I, I've seen a lot of I would appear to be effective Trump, uh, Facebook and social media ads. If you look at the Trump war room, Twitter account, they source pretty funny and, and entertaining memes from the, you know, uh, Trump Reddit and message boards, uh, all the time. And some of them are amusing in, in a way that I think the centrist Democrat memes and Facebook ads are just boring and bland in contrast. Um, so there's that. Uh, if you also look at the breakdown in the in the type of messaging used in the Hillary Clinton campaign versus the Trump campaign, here's the the, the strange irony of this: Trump ran a mix, uh, and there's been an analysis of this. Um, I think CMAG and some of these other groups have studied this. Trump actually ran simultaneous tranches of ads uh, with positive messaging about what he would do about the about the economy, about how he would fix political corruption, about trade. In addition to negative ads, of course, about Hillary Clinton, and almost 100 percent or 80 or 90 percent of Hillary Clinton ads were just negative character ads about Trump. And, and I think voters were left with the impression, well, what is she going to do for me? Right. So, you know, there is, I think, an actual, you know, substantive difference in the content of the ads, but also maybe just a cultural difference in the way that Trump approaches this. I mean, their their whole team seems very online, <laughs> yeah. um, um, very data driven. Uh, ironically. Um, and, um, you know, uh, Hillary Clinton couldn't accomplish that. Right. What about um, the so David Pluff was asked about his involvement by Chris Matthews. Uh, sorry, by Chris Hayes. There's been some reporting about the app at the center of this, which appears to have been developed by a company called Shadow that is associated with another firm called Acronym, David Pluff. I know you've worked with Acronym. I've seen some reporting in Huffington Post and Lee Fong and others have uh, sort of walked through the connections. I just want to ask you if you've had anything to do with this app, if you know about it, if you have any insight into this. I didn't know about it. So I'm helping Acronym. I'm a volunteer on their uh, board. And, and what uh, is Acronym? So Acronym is a digital firm um, that works on um, digital advertising, um, puts out a newsletter every week about uh, what's happening in the presidential race. Uh, my understanding is I just texted the CEO is like, Acronym's an investor in Shadow. I guess Shadow's got its own board of directors. So in my relationship with Acronym, which has been going on for a few months, I have no knowledge of shadow so you weren't sitting that? up there the whole time being like i actually developed no this okay <laughs> I, I didn't know if it was microsoft or who it was not to throw them under the bus we're, but no it's news to me but anyway we're I'm gonna, glad you asked me we're gonna we're yeah. gonna find out yeah. more about this and you tweeted that and you can like gave chris hayes a shout out for asking him about that uh and he seemed very vague and about it um pluff right no yeah and um i appreciate chris hayes for asking that uh on the night of the election because david pluff was sitting there answering questions and talking about the Iowa caucus all night without mentioning that it was his company <laughs> involved in the app. Yeah. Uh, he claimed uh, complete ignorance 
I can't really prove that one way or another. Right. So either he's really we... dumb or disingenuous. Sorry, that's that's what I'm going to say. Yeah. You don't have well, to look, what, what I can say is that we did some follow up reporting and that, you know, and the next day um, after the caucus, uh, acronym, acronym, whatever you call it, uh, distanced itself from the app developer, said that this was just um, an investment. This is not really part of what we're trying to do. And that that wasn't true. You know, we talked to a number of people and uh, showed that they share staff, they share resources, they both work out, work from the same Denver office. You know, they've gone on uh, retreats together. They, you know, it, they're, they're well enmeshed. They all know what they're doing. Uh, David Pluff has actually come and spoke to the company as a board member, or spoke to that, that umbrella group as, as a board member where they're all meeting together. So, you know, I, I can't tell you, um, you know, I don't have a lie detector test, right. but that's the evidence that I have. Tara McGowan, can you tell us about her and her role? Yeah, you know, I think she's a, a well-meaning person who's, you know, received a lot of um, uh, positive press as someone who wants to fix this digital deficit that the Democrats have, that they're, you know, Democrats are constantly getting owned in terms of uh, Facebook ads. And that's a very, you know, powerful message to donors who see what's happening um, even if they don't agree ideologically with the with the left elements of the party, there are a lot of wealthy people in this country who are genuinely terrified about Trump and, and want to spend their money on defeating him. Uh, the, the problem here is that I think she vastly um, overpromised and underdelivered, and there are questions now in Politico and Sludge and other outlets have, have reported that you know they've created this super PAC dark money structure. Tara has, and underneath it, all these for-profit companies that seem to be uh, potentially enriching themselves from this setup. So rather than solving the, the crisis of democracy by defeating Trump, you know, in, in their terms, um, they might be just making a lot of money. It's not clear, but that's what it looks like. And maybe helping Trump also, if they're helping elevate the guy who's less electable against Trump. That's a... Uh, uh, well, look, you know, again, look at the kind of ideological preferences of right. these donors. If they have to choose between, you know, radically... Uh, receiving higher tax cuts, wealth tax, um, you know, what have you, breaking up their industries, their antitrust, or having a, another four years of an uncivil president. Mm, uh, we'll see who they actually choose. Right. The, the, the question comes up when something like this happens. Why would something like electoral technology, vote reporting, uh, balloting, why would any of that be privatized? And, and, and is it where else? Do we have situations like this? What other companies have contracts in other states? Do we do it nationally? Is there any other connection that we should know about? Well, look, I think just broadly, there's been this discussion on the left, kind of the far left, especially if you look at like 2004, 2006 era, about this weird privatized, mm. you know, um, election system that we have, not just caucuses, but actual general elections. Um, and the center left has always disparaged this. They said, oh, you know, this is a conspiracy. This is conspiracy right. talk. Anyone who, who talks about the quality of um, these voting machines, if they can be hacked, that's just Looney Tunes, right. green, green Party right. conspiracies. And you remember this? Maybe yeah, 15 of course. Years yeah. Ago. yeah. And look, at, at the end Ohio, of the day, Florida, yeah. um, I, I'm, I have no, you know, software technical experience, but talking to a number of people who do, they say that the routine machines that we use are very vulnerable to hacking. And, you know, you, you look at the folks, the reason we have these is, you know, a after the 2000 election, the hanging chads in Florida, 
Steny Hoyer, the you know majority leader of the House Democrats, ran through a bill with very little debate, Help America Vote Act, that requires the shift to digital machines, but without the re- requirement of a paper uh, ballot trail or, or some kind of or some basics in terms of good operational security. Um, so it's, it, even though this came from a re, re, kind of a Republican crisis and the Florida recount, it was a Democrat who forced through this bill with very uh, weak uh, security requirements. And, and now look who's, who's talking about this. It's, it's the entire Democratic Party. And uh, it, it's a little late now, but we'll see what happens. Why not do both? Why not have both paper ballots and an electronic reporting system. I mean, that, that's, uh, when, again, when I was talking to people who, who came out of the caucuses, they were all saying the same thing. They were like, look, they made us sign a piece of paper. The numbers were on the piece of paper. There shouldn't be a problem, right? And why do we have to add an additional layer of complexity uh, to a system that's worked for a long time? Look, I mean, <laughs> you're, you're preaching to the choir. I mean, and just this is just part of the, the larger kind of ridiculous nature of our, our system. Why do we have a first-past-the-post system that only allows for two parties at most, and in right. many places, one party? Why don't we have election, election day as a holiday? Right. Why do we have this crazy gerrymandering? <laughs> Why any of this? I mean, all of this is absurd. Civilized countries, uh, places like Denmark or Portugal, they don't have any of these problems. It's not hard to fix. It's really, a, 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 it comes down to political will. We have structural problems in our voting and in, in our electoral system. Also, doesn't Tara McGowan and other people at uh, Akron and Packernam, they've tweeted at least very pro judge stuff, which is interesting. Again, not even being con- there's like not even the concern of appearing neutral. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's I think very apparent this week. And while we talk about the Iowa caucus to focus on this company and, you know, the, the contracts that the, that the Buttigieg campaign gave them and these tweets at least give the appearance of a conflict of interest. Right. Um, but look, the entire Democratic Party, the, the leadership structure of the DNC, the superdelegates, the state party chairman who are going to go to the convention, and if there's a contested convention, potentially select the nominee, they're tweeting about which candidates they like. A lot of them are actually being hired by the candidates. Right. Right. You know, like uh, Bloomberg, Buttigieg and others are hiring these folks. Um, and. You know, if we want to talk about conflict of interest, it goes well beyond uh, shadow or whatever this well, company's called. That's what I want to ask you about, because so you sort of made your bones doing a lot of reporting on illegal campaign trunk contributions, chamber of commerce. Uh, there's a ton of money in this primary race, like an uh, ungodly amount of money. I mean, Bloomberg's talking about having 2000 people oh on God. staff, the, the amount of money that's being spent on advertising. Where's the money issue with this election? Where, where should we be looking for shenanigans and corruption and uh, bending of rules? Well, look, there's two ways to go about campaign finance reporting to understand the money trail, and both are simultaneously important. One is well covered in the mainstream press, and that's, you know, these required disclosure reports when Bloomberg or Bernie, they buy a, a radio or TV ad, the FCC has to report that, that, and then later the FEC has to report that. And knowing the kind of disclosed um, traditional money system is important to, to see who's raising the most from whom and how they're spending it. But there's the other side of this that's, that's dark and murky, and we, we, we have less answers, and it's, and it's just as important. Bloomberg spends over a billion dollars a year just on his philanthropy. And, you know, we want to talk about 
um, political machines. Uh, when you say that term, it, it evokes the image of Tammany Hall, right. you know, early 20th century, big city Cigars. machine bosses, you know, trading patronage jobs at the post service for votes and sewage collection or whatever. But here in the 21st century, we have a different type of political machine. Uh, we have an interlocking network of big corporate foundations, corporate consultants, lobbyists, and nonprofits um, run by a, a group of people who are friends, who work together, who have a similar kind of neoliberal ideology that have incredible influence in the political process. And, you know, Hillary Clinton did a very good job in, in creating this kind of 21st century Tammany Hall uh, with her own Clinton Foundation and the many different, you know, Media Matters, Center for American right. Progress, uh, American Bridge groups right. that advanced her her, uh, her political fortunes or attempted to advance her political fortunes. That this is nothing compared to what Bloomberg has. Right. Bloomberg has the same style of a 21st century political machine, but instead he's got this billion dollar a year philanthropy that has trained hundreds of mayors, that gives them speaking fees, that has uh, funneled tens of millions of dollars to uh, Democrats who have run and are now members of the state legislature in Virginia. I mean, he basically paid for half of that election that we just had last year. There are members of Congress. Um, he's one of the biggest funders of, of climate and clean energy groups in the country, of, of definitely the biggest funder of gun safety groups. Uh, he, you know, when he's, when he unveiled his um, African-American outreach program in, in Tulsa just last month, um, the, if you actually watch the press conference, it's speaker after speaker thanking him for the various grants that he's planted in Tulsa over the years. Go to any city in America. The mayor there has likely attended a Bloomberg boot camp and has received a Bloomberg innovation grant for infrastructure or art or whatever in, in, their, in their city. Um, there, <laughs> Bloomberg's handed out a lot of favors. And a lot of this isn't disclosed traditional campaign money. This isn't stuff you're going to find in uh, a campaign finance report, but it's money. It's it's it's, it's money that has right. influenced uh, people's political preferences. Um, and uh, for a lot of folks looking at the Bloomberg campaign, they also see the, the opportunity to make money down the road. When he ran for mayor, not only did, were his staffers some of the best paid staffers we've ever seen in a political race, they received an, a $300,000, I think, or even up to $400,000 bonus um, after he won. So yeah, <laughs> we can't imagine this. You know, people think Tom Steyer is wealthy. Right. Tom Steyer is a peasant compared to Michael Bloomberg. Forbes just upgraded his evaluation. You look at stories. $60 billion, for, right? Yeah. Right. And he, but just a, a month ago, we, I saw stories saying that he was worth $55 billion. Now it's $60 billion. It's a rounding error to him. I mean, this, this, this type of money is, 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 has not been seen in American politics before. Okay, so that, that gets to another question that, what is he doing in this race? Like that, that to me sounds like the foundation for an incredible argument for Bloomberg in a broker convention where not only he, he's not only going to have an enormous base of people who are already predisposed to him because he's been handing out favors at a local level for years. Uh, but there are a lot of people who are going to think they're going to get paid behind this if, the, if he ends up being a candidate, right? I mean, everybody from uh, TV stations who are going to get ad money to lobbyists to strategists. I mean, it, what is he doing in the race? Because he's not going to win uh, by getting delegates uh, in, in the primaries. What, what's your take on that? This, what your comment reminds me of the famous quote from Jack Abramoff, the lobbyist. Oh, yeah. He said that the way you buy someone off, you don't actually have to give them any money. You, you meet with a lawmaker or congressional staffer and you say, hey, by the way, 
once you finish this job, give me a call because I, I, I'm, you know, and once you're on the job market, I, I can take care of you. Right. That's all you need to do. You can put someone in, in, in your pocket. No money actually has to exchange hands at that moment. It's, it's the future potential for corruption. And I, I think what you're saying uh, in, in terms of the convention is very true. You know, the DNC changed their rules. Uh, super delegates, members of Congress can't vote on uh, the nomination in the first round. But if no candidate enters the convention with, I think, 1900 or 2000 yeah, uh, delegates on the first round, then the math completely changes. Uh, all the super delegates, the members of Congress, many of whom uh, were elected with Bloomberg money, flood into the process right. and they can influence the vote. Um, and so what Bloomberg needs to do, if, if, it's, if this is his strategy, is simply rack up enough delegates in, in, on Super Tuesday and going forward that he can prevent Bernie or Warren or whomever from hitting that magical number, that, that 1900 number so, so that a contested election happens and that's when the wheeling and dealing happens uh whether that's bringing in you know a, a unity vp michelle obama or whatever to, to bring the party together and then uh give michael bloomberg a cabinet seat or, or make him president yeah. in some kind of unity uh scenario look that that makes sense and and hitting and a lot of folks i think on social media and in the media were criticizing him for not running in the first few states I, I, that all that doesn't contradict the strategy as you guys know you you you're both in the media all that that matters is momentum and narrative in in, in, the, in the early race because right now not many delegates are even being awarded i mean it's like one percent yeah 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 it's just it's a, it's a few coming out of iowa and new hampshire it's literally just a handful but what matters is the narrative and by and for bloomberg to say look i didn't participate right. in this you know this shit show in, in, in Iowa. I, I didn't. I didn't even try to compete. But now that that uh, Biden has, has failed out, I'm your savior. Yeah. I'm the electable billionaire who will, who will implement centrist policies, right. not like that. You know, not like Trump. So um, it's Bernie. working for him so far. If that's the strategy, it's going very well for him. He's like, not even funny though. At least Biden's amusing. Bloomberg are so boring. Uh, but, I mean, but, uh, but aren't you? Aren't you? A little bit nervous. I mean, I've suddenly seen all these uh, stories by pundits. You know, CNN had a thing that Michael Bloomberg just might be the answer for America. You know, John Shade had the had He's his thing in New York. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, my kids see his ads when they're whatever screens they're looking at. And the the guys, his, there's just no momentum at all in the race as is. But but there's there's a groundswell of something going on. In, yeah, and like the press, and, it feels like. And, and Sludge that, has a report that two members of DNC Rules Committee are simultaneously working on Bloomberg's presidential campaign. One was just nominated by DNC Chair Tom Paris to be a vice chair of the Convention Rules Committee. Right. Another relevant but, yeah, piece I th of information. I, th I think with, uh, once we know the full extent, because you know it was just three weeks ago he had. Uh, 500 members of his staff, then 800, then 1,000. Now he's 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 planning to hire 2,000 people. Right. Some of those people are going to be DNC members and They're super like a, vi I, a virus. Yeah, you you can put your money on it. Um, but look, we're getting back to the Bloomberg machine. How many pundits have worked for him yeah. in the recent past? You know, J Jonathan Capehart uh, at the Washington Post uh, editorial board used to be Bloomberg's spokesperson. Really? Uh, I didn't yeah, know that. When, when Bloomberg was a Republican and when when you look at these other folks um, 
whether they're quote unquote democratic strategists or even Republican strategists, you know, he, he's funded some uh, Republican groups in the past. Look how many have consulted for Bloomberg or worked for Bloomberg funded groups. Um, uh, Mark Melman, uh, the, the democratic strategist who aired close to $800,000 in anti-Bernie ads uh, in, in Iowa oh, yeah. over the last week with, with democratic majority for Israel, even though the, the ads don't even mention Israel. Right. Uh, they talk about Bernie's heart attack. Um, so gross. Mark Melman's c- company, the Melman Group, uh, who did they work for to pass uh, background checks for guns in Nevada? Bloomberg, you know, so but that that's not like some kind of, you know, th- th- these are just minor anecdotes. Right. If you actually showed the entire list of Democratic lobbyists, consultants and think tank people who have uh, worked for Bloomberg or received Bloomberg money, um, that, that's a very long list. And look, I, at my first job out of college, I worked at the Center for American Progress oh, yeah. as an investigative reporter for their blog, Think Progress. I believe uh, Bloomberg even funded CAP at that time. So, you know, it, it's hard to find anyone who doesn't have some kind of Bloomberg connection who've worked on the left or the center left. Right. You're a near attendant survivor. That's right. So uh, the impression that you get from I'm sorry to stay on. I know that you're. Michael Bloomberg isn't like your sole focus in life, but I'm just so curious about this. So the the narrative with him joining the race was that this was a, a, a decision that was made sort of in haste as a result of the chaos, um, you know, that that's that we've seen so far. But it sounds to me like what you're saying is that he's been building yeah. political machinery for quite a long time, whether or not he pl- personally planned to be the president or be a presidential candidate that that something else has been in the works for for a while is that right that's right and you know i hate to you know i I love i mean the type of reporting i do i try to always back it up with a quote with a document with a legal filing just you know that that's that's my style but i'm going to diverge from that really quickly well you know when i was working in dc in 2007 2008 um, i met a lot of people uh, who are democratic consultants who said Look, if Bloomberg has an in, we're doing polling, we're, we're doing research for him because he'd like to jump in. His, his dream one, mm-hmm. di- one day is to be president. He's been planning this for a very long time. Um, so this is not some kind of, oh, spur of the moment, time to jump in. No, I mean, actually, even I think the Washington Post showed that he hired a number of lobbyists in New Hampshire and, and Iowa to do um, uh, polling and, and research. Uh, uh, even, I, I, I believe, as early as 2017, 2018 on this. Um, I might get this wrong on the dates, but uh, well over a year ago, including um, a guy who, who was uh, Hillary's Iowa State uh, director in 2016, who was previously working for Bloomberg just to kind of test the waters. Uh, he's been planning this for a very long time. Uh, we got to ask you about Pod Save America. Do you know, uh, have you looked at the relationship between them and um, acronym Packronym? Uh, I don't. I just saw okay. pictures that they, they've hung out together. Yeah, we'll get, uh, we'll, that's, have to, that's we'll have to do our own investigating onto that because our <laughs> one of our main goals of the show is to do better than them. On, yeah, we don't on want podcasts. we don't actually personally want to do well. We just want to make sure yeah, that they, they do. We want to push them down. So yeah. that's that's our entire goal. Yeah, that's a, that's a beautiful lofty goal. <laughs> it is. Yeah, yeah. And if you don't rate and review us. They win. You let Pod Save America win. I just want to give you a chance to ask Neera Tandon because, you know, she's such a uh, supporter of the Bernie bro narrative. Uh, you were one of the first people to push back on that. And you actually, uh, in a Twitter thread, someone pointed out that someone on Twitter called you a Chinese spy. <laughs> and 
asked Neera Tandon to, you know, if she would condemn that or denounce that because she's always asking Sanders to condemn anything that any rando online does. And she ignored that. But yeah, and you'll you sh- me. and blocked yeah. you. And this is your former boss. Right. And you'll appreciate my investigative journalism skills here because I looked and in the thread, she responded to a tweet later on. So it's not like she just left the Twitter thread and uh, ignored the conversation. She was reading it and chose not to respond to that one. So um, we're giving Nira the chance to condemn uh, someone calling you a Chinese spy on Twitter, which is a uh, kind of a not so progressive, not so woke, uh, very offensive not, not thing. Not terribly, no. Yeah. Well, look, I, I've covered the far right. You know, I've gone to dozens of Tea Party rallies, gun rallies, anti-abortion rallies, you know, whatever. You name it, I, I've, I've tried to cover it in my, my career. And, you know, I have received death threats and, you know, bad behavior from the far right. But actually covering the Democratic establishment and reporting, you know, kind of basic stuff on, on Hillary Clinton's policy record and political record, I got way, I get actually way more hate wow. from the centrist Dems and the pro-Hillary people on social media. They can be very vicious, you know, that, you know, calling my employer or, or, or sending nasty messages to me personally or, or posting them publicly like the one you mentioned. Right. So it's very ironic because, you know, I've, I'm, I'm on the left. I've, 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 while reporting on the right, I've always kind of had my guard up like, you know, th- this is. You know, this is precarious, but I actually get I get a lot more hate from the centrist Dems. The centrist bros. Yeah. Yeah. And and uh, and you talk, you mentioned American Bridge before and some of these. What What's the online presence f- like for that sort of Clinton centrist Democratic uh, machine? Do they, is, is there anything that you know about or that you can talk about in terms of, you know, Twitter trolls, that sort of thing? I mean, is is, is it organic or is there something else going on there? I'm obsessed with this topic, but it's really hard to report on because it's intentionally cloak and dagger. You know, I I did stories a long time ago showing that there's a small uh, firm in Arlington that was basically paid by companies like Burger King to go into the message boards and defend Burger King. And when people left a negative comment to create a whole like army of of commenters voting them down and, and disputing them. I mean, this is something that's happened in, you know, that's a good job. Public affairs. That's yeah, a great job. So that and, and I, you know, I enjoyed reporting this. I reported that uh, you know, the Coke Industries, the Coke brothers, had hired the same firm to kind of airbrush uh, their Wikipedia and kind of look mm. into the history. It's just fascinating. Um, and it's clear that they, the Clinton folks, engaged in something similar in 2016. But I really haven't seen the same level um, of it here in 2020. In part, I think just because the establishment side of the Democratic Party is so much more splintered. Right. These groups that the Clintons set up, like Correct the Record right. and American Bridge, I think they're personally divided. The donors are divided. So um, they haven't engaged in the same level of, of, of kind of online <laughs> troll strategies right. like they have in the past. They're t- torn between Biden and Buttigieg and Bloomberg. Maybe. I mean, I look and like I, we're, we're, we're taping this now, but things could change very quickly. The, the, tro- the troll swarm could come. Right. right. Also, were, were you there when uh, going back to Nira? Were you there when Nira punched Faz Shakir in the chest? No, but I heard about it at the time. Was it the punch that was heard around the world? <laughs> yeah, I shouldn't make exactly. that. You did hear about it. OK, that's interesting. Yeah. yeah. All right. That's uh, kind of Klobuchar. I, she, she must be a Klobuchar fan then, Nira. She threw the... She didn't yeah. throw a stapler, but or she threw Biden, a punch. Biden, she Biden threw a was punch. doing a lot of shoving. Oh, yeah, like, you're right. Yeah. yeah. You see the one where you grab the guy's 
We got to do a mashup of that. He was trying to pull his face within eating distance. Oh it was God. really interesting. Oh, he could have joined the Buddha Judge, uh, Cory Booker. We will eat, eat you. We're going to eat uh, your head. Yeah. 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 Uh, 2020. Yeah. Uh, so is there anything looking forward to New Hampshire? Last question. I mean, uh, this obviously turned into a mess. Is there anything you know about in terms of how the reporting goes there or, any, or are there any companies involved that we should be looking out for heading into this next vote? You know, I, I don't have any great answers there. I mean, New Hampshire, the polling looks great for Bernie, but um, I'm actually shocked that the kind of um, the, the wave of uh, big money attacking Bernie came so late. Mm. Um, I, it, it looks like it might have had a little bit of him. effect in Iowa, but, it, you know, they just spent these ads um, in the last nine or ten days before the Iowa caucus. And if you look historically, um, you know, the 2012 Republican primary was insane. <laughs> there were like literally 50 or 60 unique negative ads that all the Republicans ran against each other. The 2008 early uh, uh, state primaries and caucuses between Hillary, Hillary and Obama were also insanely negative, um, um, but without the factor of the outside groups. Um, so I'm, I'm just shocked that there hasn't been more uh, going against uh, Bernie and to some extent Warren. Um, uh, but, you know, TBD, I, I think we just have to keep a, a lookout and we'll be reporting on it. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Well, uh, thank you so much. Lee, Lee thank Fong. you so much for taking the time out. Yeah. Appreciate it. And uh, we'll check in with you again. Yeah. Come back. Come on in person if you're next time you're in New York. That would be great. Thank you so much yeah. for having me. Thank you. All right. Take care. Bye. So I learned something today. What do you learn? <laughs> Lee Fong is really smart. Very smart. Very and sharp. You, and that you think he's handsome. Well, I do, but I don't know. Oh, my God. Smashing that woke button. He's sharp. Like He's, he's sharp. sharp. I'll just say he's sharp. In brain and and appearance. And, and, okay, that's a good way of saying that's it. That's a good way of saying it. Right? Yeah. yeah, and he had a lot of insights in, into the uh, into the Iowa caucuses. It's impressive reporting. Yeah, really quick. So uh, that was terrific yeah. uh, that we that we talked to him. It's more important than ever to subscribe, to rate, and review us because Pod Save America is a threat to our democracy. They are. We always knew that on a on a gut level, right. but now we have the proof. That they are fraternizing with and I think enemies of democracy. At a time when Americans are really struggling to find a way to express themselves and and make themselves known politically and uh, and to make sure that they have an impact on society, we've we've discovered the way that you can do it. The way that you can affect change yes. is to buy T-shirts, yeah, and then or go tote bags or tote bags or mugs, yeah, right, uh, and and then go on and and uh, and subscribe, subscribe rate and review, right. positive reviews, stars, right, five stars, right, four maybe, but definitely don't. If you're going to go below that, just stay away, right, step away from the 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 app. And subscribe to us on YouTube. Bring right. it, listen to us a- anywhere you hear your podcast. That's right. where you'll find us. Yeah. And, like and, the and, Grapes of Wrath guy says. And if we even think about watching Pots of America, just jam your hand into a toaster. You know? A blender. A blender. A blender and a toaster. Yeah. One each. One each. With these hands. With these hands. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah.
The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.